All right, Mark 4. So, so I'm going to try and, and I was contemplating reading a bunch of scripture, but I'm just going to kind of give you guys a summary. Everybody knows this story, right? Everybody knows what's happening in Mark 4. Or we're going to focus on 39. It's when Jesus is in the boat with the disciples. They're going across. There's a huge storm, and the disciples are freaking out. And um, they're going on and on about, you know, they're scared. And so they wake Jesus up. They get him up, and they say, hey, teacher, um, don't you care that we're going to die? And Jesus gets up, and he, he silences the storm, right? So in uh, Mark 4, 39, he got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, silence, be still. The wind ceased, and there was great calm. And then he said to them, why are you fearful? Do you still have no faith? you got to keep in mind, the disciples have already been with him for a while. They've already seen him do some pretty amazing things, right? They've already been, a, a, they've been around him. So they've seen some of his capabilities, but yet they were still scared. And it seems to be a repetitive thing with the disciples um, that they still, it's like they, they think, well, maybe this time he's not going to actually do anything. I know he, last time he took care of it, but this time he's not actually going to do anything. Maybe this time we're in trouble. Maybe we've run out. Maybe it was like rubbing a, a lamp in the genie, you get three wishes. Maybe we've used up our, our times with Jesus, and this time it's not going to work. I don't know what was going through their mind, but Jesus recognizes it. He says, why are you fear, fearful? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified, and they asked one another, who then is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. They've walked with Jesus, and they still didn't recognize that. They've walked with him, and they still didn't recognize that he is the prophet, priest, and king. That's who Jesus is. So... I've been struggling, y'all, I've been, I have been struggling these last couple of months, and specifically these last two weeks. It has been rough. I'm like, super rough. And I know every, we all have, struggle is relative. I've heard dad say that a bunch of times. We all got things going on in our lives, and it would be easy for us to say, well, my struggle is worse than your struggle, or you to say your struggle is worse than my struggle. I ain't trying to compare anything. The fact is, we're all struggling. We all have times and seasons where we go through challenges, and I personally have been going through one, and it's been intense. I've gone through a lot of struggles. I've been in a lot of stressful situations in my life, but I've never been in anything like what I've been in in the last two weeks. It is at a whole nother level, and I am walking in a whole nother level with God. And, but it took, it took me getting to the bottom. It took me hitting what seemed like rock bottom. I've, I've, I've had, I've tried to have compassion and understanding for people who have dealt with anxiety, depression, things like that. I've never understood it. I've never been able to comprehend how it affects life, but I, I believe that it's real. And I have, I've tried to have compassion and understanding for people walking through that. Well, I can tell you I understand it at a whole nother level now. I have walked, I have had anxiety, I've had uh, um, panic attacks. I have felt like the world was closing in on me and like it was a completely hopeless situation. And I've thought to myself, there is no way I can live like this. I've been there. I've been there. And it may not, maybe you've had worse, but I, you know what? Again, I'm not trying to compare it. All I know is that I have a new understanding. I hit rock bottom, and it happened a couple of weeks ago. I've been meeting with Wendy. I'm going to keep meeting with Wendy. I, look, I, I'm going to be real with y'all today, okay? I am broke. I am broken. But guess what? It doesn't matter because the guy that he was just talking about is ruling in my life, and I'm coming to understand him in a whole new way. Y'all, I'm fired up if you can't tell. Usually I don't get like this till the end of the sermon, but it's going to be like full tilt the whole way, so y'all better deal with it. All right? Because look, I'm telling you, when you have an encounter with Jesus, like I had an encounter with Jesus just the other day, then you're going to be changed and people are going to see it on you. Okay? Look, we're going to go to another, Pete, I got another scripture for you to put it up if you feel like it. 
Mark 5, it's right after what just happened. Literally right after what just happened. Okay? So the disciples, they say, who is this? Even the seas, even the winds, they listen to him. Well, he gets, in fact, you know what, Pete? We ain't got time for it. I might put a little bit of it on there. I'm just going to tell the story. All right? They pull up in their boat up on the, on the, um, on the other side of the lake. And, and it, <laughs> all of a sudden, this guy who has been tormented, and it goes through and talks about how tormented this guy is by, by the powers of darkness, by demons. I mean, they, chains can't even hold this guy. It's a dangerous, he's violent. It is a scary place to be. Nobody wants to be around him. Anyway, this dude, he lives in this tomb, and he comes running down, and he meets Jesus, all right? He's running down, and what does he do? He falls on his knees. The disciples just ask, who a, que- ask a question, who is this man? You know what the first thing this dude says? Let me get to it. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and knelt down before him, and he cried out with a loud voice, What do you have to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you before God, do not torment me. So this dude's being tormented. He's got demons in him. He sees Jesus. He's running to him. The demons know who Jesus is, and the guy knows who Jesus is. He hadn't even walked with him, but he knew. He recognized the authority. The demons knew. They recognized the authority. His disciples have walked with him. They don't even know who he is. Even after he calms the seas, they're like, who is this guy? Two Wednesdays ago, I hit rock bottom. In a, or Tuesday, sorry. Yeah, two weeks ago. And I start reading. I'm reading. I'm like, I'm going through some conviction. I'm going through a lot of condemnation. I'm going through a lot of stress. It's just, I can't, I don't know what's going on. I don't have answers. I can't understand. I can't explain it. But I start just, I get in the Word. I start reading. And this is the first story that I end up coming to. We keep on going, and, and the, Jesus ends up saying, Go to the, the legion of demons in this guy. and they Because they say, hey, there's some pigs over there. Can you send us in the pigs? We don't want to go. We don't, don't make us leave the area. So he, there's 2,000 pigs. I didn't realize. When, I, when I've heard this story a bunch of times, I didn't realize how many pigs. I was thinking, you know, like a small, what do you, is it not a herd? What do you call a bunch of group of pigs? What do you call a group of pigs? Would you, you, you might know. Well, you're cows. I don't know. Anyway, group of pigs, all right? It's a herd of pigs, a flock of pigs. I don't know. It, eventually it was because they're flying off a cliff. He says, go, and the, the demons go, and they get in these pigs, and they literally kill themselves. And the, the village people, they come out, and they start singing, YMC. I'm just kidding. They didn't do that. The village people come. Thanks, Tim, for laughing. The village people, the kids don't even know what I'm talking about. The village people... Um, so the, her, the people that are tending to the sheep go back. They tell the village people what happened. The village people come out, and they start, they see this guy who had been tormented, this guy that they had known, that they were all scared of, that they had tried to chain up, that they had tried to deal with in numerous ways. They see him clothed and in his right mind. And they have a big party, and they celebrate the fact that Jesus saved him. No! This is what got me. They asked Jesus to leave. They said, we don't want you here. We do not want you in this area. We want you gone. Leave. They asked him to leave. They've seen 
the darkness that this guy's living in, right? And they see this new thing that Jesus has, has done with them just by with saying one word. And instead of being excited and saying, I want what that guy's got, they ask him, to, they ask Jesus to leave. They said, go. Man, that, that broke me the other night. When I saw that, I was like, dang. Am I the guy who is being tormented but running to Jesus and saying, falling on my knees? Or am I the village people and coming and seeing what God has done in other people's lives or what God has done in even my life and saying, I don't want, I don't, I, I, eh. there's, you messed up and sent a bunch of our pigs off a cliff and, and I, I don't know about this. Yeah, you fixed the dude, but you know, I think it'd be better if you just leave. I don't want, I don't want what you got. So immediately I, I fell on my face, guys, and surrender because, and look, it'd be easy. I, I walked away from an amazing job a year and a half ago, uh, the security of having a steady paycheck, I walked away from that uh, to be in ministry. I, I, I'm, I'm serving like crazy in this church. I'm doing all these things trying to seek first his kingdom, right? But guess what? I wasn't surrendered. I wasn't surrendered. It would be easy for people to look at me and say, dude, that guy's surrendered. He, he's not, he's in full-time ministry and he's, he's living on faith and all this I wasn't surrendered. It doesn't matter what we're doing. It doesn't matter how you're living your life in that, in, in that aspect. It matters in what's in your heart. So immediately, like right then and there, I said, God, I, you have access to every part of my life. Every part of my life. You have access to it. You take me and completely search me, find anything. Even if there's things that I don't even realize that I've made agreements with, you take it. I don't want it. I don't want it in me. Things that I've even chosen to hold on to, I don't want it. I had to repent of sin in my life. I had to go to my wife and repent of sin in my life. I've had to do all kinds of things because God has, he has put a spotlight on me. And I can't get away with the things that I used to get away with. I this is a little, this is a little one. This is, I, I'm not going to, you know, put all my dirty laundry out there. This is, this is little. This is super little. I, look, I've dipped for like 15, 16 years, okay? And then um, Zach came to me one time. By the way, half the church, half this whole side is here because of Zach. <laughs> You've got this, bro. You've got this. You know, Paul talks about finding people who are seeking after him. He's like, if you don't know what to do, you find someone that knows what to do. Look at me if you have to. Look at Zach. He's got this. He's got this. But Zach, one time I said something about, hey, when you put, some, put it down, don't, don't pick it back up. Zach came up to me. He's like, hey, I, 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 I quit. Um, I took the patch off right then and there when you told me all that. And, man, I'm dipping. He didn't know this. He didn't know this at the time. I came back and told him about it. But um, I dipped. And when he told me back, I was like, dang. I need to quit dipping, but um, I didn't. And then a little while later, I ended up, I actually did, I've never been convicted of, of, of dipping, but I ended up getting a little bit convicted of it, and I, I felt like the Holy Spirit was leading me to quit. So I, I quit, man. Cold turkey, right then and there, quit dipping. Didn't have, didn't have any issue with it for like three months. And then guess what? I picked it back up. Started dipping. So the other night, that's the first thing that I did. I'm sitting there, I'm reading my Bible, I'm just like, I look over, there's a can of dip about where I'm at, and I was like, dang it. Put it in the trash. There's been a whole lot of stuff I've had to put in the trash in the last week. A whole lot of stuff I'm having to put in the trash. 
You see, I, I finished that story, and I look at how the, 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 the demoniac, how he responds to Jesus. And I look at the village, the people, how they respond to Jesus. And that for me personally, I don't want to be like those people. I don't want to say, okay, God, you can have this area in my life, but I'm still going to hold on to these things. Or, oh, you know what, God, I don't even want any of that. I, I just, it's too much. I don't want it. Maybe they looked at the guy and they realized, hey, this is, we could have people like this coming in and being a part. I, don't, I just don't want that. But whatever it is that you're not wanting or that I wasn't wanting, I didn't want to be that. I wanted to be like the demoniac guy after Jesus had set him free. I wanted to be like, Master, please, can I go with you? I want to go with you. Please let me go. Please let me go. And Jesus says, no, you need to stay here and you go tell everybody what has happened. You go tell everybody. And it says that he went through the whole, the Decapolis, makes me sound somewhere if I say that, it just means like 10 cities, I think, is it, isn't that what it means? Yeah. So he went around to this area of 10 cities, and he starts telling people about what Jesus did in his life. And guess what? That time, the first time, they asked Jesus to leave. A little while later, I think it's in Mark 7 or 8, Jesus is back in the Decapolis area, and guess what? There's a multitude of people. That's where he feeds the 4,000. You think that uh, the demoniac did his job? Kind of like what Zach's been doing, bringing people here to church. The second time, Jesus was more welcome there. There was people coming to hear and find out because they had seen this guy who was once one way, and now he's a different way, and now they're like, I got to find out about that. I'm just, that, that's not all in there, but I'm just assuming that had to have happened. It had to be a little, at least a little part of what had happened, right? So what kind of church do we want to be? What kind of person do you want to be? What are you holding? Look. Look, there's plenty of things. I've had a lot of good stuff going, and I really did love Jesus, and I do, I, I did. I was trying, and I was pursuing after him, but there was a lot of stuff that I was holding on to, a lot of sin that I was holding on to. Sin is anything. You guys remember I preached a while back. Sin is anything. It's missing the mark. Anything that causes you to focus on something other than focusing on Jesus. Anything. Why do we try so hard, especially as men? We say, hey, I want to provide for my family. I want to take care of my wife, my kids. Why do we try so hard to set up a retirement for the last 10 years of our life? Why do we try so hard to take care of our kids and send them to college and do all these things that the world says is good? And it would be easy to say that it's good, but it's not. Why do we try so hard to put all that stuff first? The only thing that is supposed to be first is Jesus. So why are we trying to say, hey, yeah, I want to get this retirement set up and so that I can relax and hang out with my wife. Or I want to, I want to get a, a college fund set up for my kids so that they can, they can have a good life. We're here temporarily, y'all. Come on, why don't we live like that? We should be focused on the first 10 million years of eternity. You heard that, 10 million years of eternity. You still got millions and millions after that. Instead of focusing on setting our kids up for college, let's focus on the first million years of eternity. Or we could just do 10 years of eternity. Whatever you, you pick a number. You're focusing on four years and, and, and maybe at 80, 90 years window. They got millions of years. Your wife focusing on spending time with her on this earth. That's important. It's good. Y'all got millions of years afterwards that we should be focusing on. I was, I'm reading a book by Francis Chan. He talks about his wife, Lisa, and he says, you know, I often think about the day that my wife is going to meet God. I had never really thought about that. 
But I'm going to start thinking about the day that Monica meets God now and how I'm leading my family and if I'm leading it well. And if I'm leading it in a way that it's when she meets God, that it's going to be a good experience for her. Or am, am I leading her or my family into things that could potentially cause them to have issues, cause the stumble, those traps that Tim talked about a while back. Y'all, how are we living our lives as individuals? How are we living our lives as church? Because right now, I, we, got, we got Zach and a bunch of people, and then we got a bunch of regular folks that come here. When was the last time I invited somebody to come to this church? When was the last time I went and got somebody saved? When was the last time I went and told somebody about what God has done in my life? Yeah, I'm going to ask some hard questions. If you got a problem with it, we can talk afterwards. There's a big parking lot, and I can roll my sleeves up, and we'll go, all right? But look, I'm telling you, y'all, if we don't want to ask these questions, then we have no business coming here. I'm tired of playing church, and if you are, then let's come on. We'll start something. We'll start a crew. We'll start a squad, and we're going to get up with Zach and let him teach us what to do because the man is on fire, all right? I'm tired of being here and coming here and doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. We talk about all the time how we want revival, but we're not doing anything to make it happen. We're expecting it just to happen. The revival isn't waiting on God to do something. He's, the, it's open. It's happened. It's there. All we got to do is recognize it. All we got to do is step into it. Quit saying, oh, Lord, come. He already came. Maranatha. Right? He's already done come. So why are we asking him to come again? He's already here. Why are we not living our lives that way? Come on, church. Look. I thought I was already fired up when I started, but I guess I wasn't. I may, I may get you to put another uh, scripture up, Pete. Y'all, I'm trying to get done quick because I want us to have a worship time. I want, our response time is going to be reflective in worship time. I, I really feel strongly about it. I, I wish that I had planned this better and I would have started off preaching and we would have done the worship at the end. Someday we may do that. Lost my notes. All right. I didn't even use any of these. <laughs> Acts 2. Uh, start off in 37. Thank you, Lord. All right. So here's how we respond. Here's how we respond. If you're in the same boat that I was in, and you're saying, you know what, I'm done. I, you, you have to ask yourself a question. Do you want to be like the village people, or do you want to be like the demoniac and, and say, Lord, whatever, I want to come with you. Or you want to say, hey, you know, I'm not ready to turn these, all these areas over to God. I'm not ready. I'm not ready to do it. And by the way, this isn't a one and done thing. It's a daily thing. If you think for one second that you can do this one time and it's over with, then you're wrong. This is a daily thing of saying, I give you every aspect of my life. I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about the daily picking up your cross and surrendering every aspect to him. That's, it's not a one and done. It's a, it's a multiple times a day, not even just a daily. It's a multiple times, at least for me. Maybe y'all are better. I don't know. But it's a, it's, a, it's a constant, a constant thing of reminding myself. And it's just saying, hey, get me through the day. Get me through this day. I'm not worried about trying to surrender tomorrow. I just need to know I got to surrender for today. We'll figure tomorrow out when tomorrow gets here. But this is what they said, you know, I encourage you guys to go back. I know we've talked about Acts 2 before. I encourage you to go back and read it. We don't have a lot of time today. I just want to go to this one part. Um, when they heard this, they came under deep conviction 
It says, in, um, I went and looked at interlinear Bible, and in the Greek it says like piercing, something like that. I don't even, I can't, I'm not going to try and say the word. Tim is talking about trying to do some classes sometime. I'm going to put a little plug in for you right here. He's talking about doing some classes sometime, like seminary style classes. Probably won't get any credit. Maybe one day we, we might can get it to that point. But if you're interested in, in doing that, which I'm, I told him I'm his first student. I want to I learn more about how to, to read and how to understand the Bible even more. So talk to Tim. Let him know that you're interested too. But anyway, um, when they heard this, they came under deep conviction and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what must we do? See, in America, church... We've become awesome. You guys, I guarantee you, I ain't trying to say anything bad about you, but here's what's going to happen. Y'all are going to go to lunch, and you're going to be like, man, that was a good word. He got fired up. Love it when he gets fired up like that. I enjoy listening to Josiah speak. He's such a just gifted communicator, and he's just so much fun to listen to, and he's entertaining. And man, man, God, was, he was speaking through him. Holy Spirit was there. It was a good message. Woo! But ain't nothing going to change. America... The church in America, the church in general, we've become really good at this conviction, but then failure to action. I said it. We've been talking about it, spectator uh, theology, spectator environment. We've become really good at hearing really good messages because, y'all, this is a good one. It ain't from me. I mean, I know I'm doing it. I'm killing it. But it's not, it's not just me. This is coming from the Lord. And if y'all don't want to listen to it, then it's on you. And, in fact, you know what? It would be better for me to not have told it. I, I pity the fool. I pity the fool. Because you know what? Now you know. This is serious, y'all. I, I've been joking. This is serious. Now you know. It, it, it would have been better for you to skip church today and not hear this than to come here, hear this, and walk out and not change. It would have been better for you to not be here than for you to be here, hear what I'm telling you, and then act like, you know what, that was a good word, but I'm still going to hold on to these things. Because now you know. It's in the Bible. Look it up. Now you know. You ain't got any excuses. So I'm telling you, you better think twice before you go out of here and go to lunch and just keep living the way you've been living. And you know what? I'm not saying, I'm not, look, guys, we've got a lot of good things going for us at New Horizons. We really do. We have a lot of good things going for us, but uh, we ain't there yet. We have an opportunity. I'm telling you, I had a lot of good things going for me two weeks ago, but I wasn't there yet, and I don't want to go back. God has done something in my life, and when people look at me, they're going to look at me like they saw the, they're going to see me clothed and in my right mind. Just like they see Zach, and they say, I've seen what he was, and I would see what he is now, and I want to be like that. Can people look at you and say the same thing? We are supposed to be, this is what he says. When they said, what must, what must we do? Peter, Repent, Peter said to them, and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Ends up that they have like 3,000 people get saved right then and there, and it's just a big, powerful thing, right? But he, they knew, they had this together. They didn't think, hey, man, that was really good with all that stuff that Peter was just saying. Man, he, he really brought it right then. It was pretty cool. You feel like the thing that happened, whatever. What was that? They didn't ask those questions. They said, what must, me, what must we do? When was the last time you asked that question when you left church? What must I do? When was the last time you asked that question when we had a response time? We're going to go over today. Deal with it. When was the last time you asked that question about yourself? What must I do? When was the last time we asked that question as a body? What must we do? 
Are we just comfortable set coming and hearing a good message and then going back out and living the exact same way? Or are we wanting to, to change? Yeah, I told y'all this is going to be hard, but it can be freeing. I'm free. Do I look free? Do I sound free? Y'all can be like this. Y'all can be like me and Zach. We're going to start a squad. That's right. Represent. James 1. Here's another one, Pete. I ended up using all of them, didn't I? Sort of. James 1, 21. Here we go. Here's what, what we must do. Repent. Surrender. By the way, you know what the position of ultimate surrender is? I'm a military guy, law enforcement guy. You know what we always try to do when we're wanting to, we, it's called putting someone at a position of, of disadvantage. We want to put them where we are the ones in complete control of the situation. So what I would do, we train it, and it's always, security forces is, it's nerdy what they tell us to, to say. I don't do this, and when I was a cop, I never did it. But security forces is like, halt, security forces. I never do that. That just sounds like, if I heard someone say halt, I'd be like, you just said halt. <laughs> They just keep walking, right? But no, we're supposed to put them face down. We're supposed to put them face down. Face down, laying on the ground. Like this. Not like this, actually. You want to make it really weird, so you make them turn their hands like this. They're facing the way, and then whatever way you're going to come from, turn away from the side of turn your head to the left. And so that I can come on this side. They can't even see me coming. That's a position of disadvantage. That's a position of full surrender. I done broke the mic. Sorry. Is it back on? That's, that's surrender. That's what surrender looks like. It's saying, I put myself at complete disadvantage. So repent. Surrender fully. Repent. It means you're going this way. I'm going to use dad's thing. He always talks about it. You're going this way. You change and you start going this way. It means a change of, change of mind, change of perspective, change of everything. Completely surrender yourself to him and repent. Okay? Where was I? I'm trying to go fast, y'all, because I really think we need to We ask ourselves what must we do? And I want to give time for that. James 1.21. Therefore, ridding yourselves of all moral filth and evil, humbly receive the implanted word which is able to save you. But be doers of the word and not hearers only. Did I say anything similar to that today? This isn't even the one I was talking about. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Deceiving yourselves. See, it, we, it makes us feel good when we leave and we go to lunch and we even talk. Y'all may talk about this one for a week because it's pretty good. Some folks may want to listen to it again on the podcast. But y'all are going to talk about it. It'd be easy for us to do that. And it kind of makes us feel like, yeah, I'm kind of being, being a doer. I'm talking about what I heard on Sunday. No, that's not what being a doer is. So let's choose to be doers. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man looking at his own face in a mirror. For some of us, that's not a bad thing. I enjoy looking in the mirror. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and preserves it, perseveres in it and is not a forgetful hearer but one who does good works this person will be blessed in what he does now look y'all I ain't trying to preach a different gospel I'm not saying it's about works I'm not trying to preach a different gospel but look if you really have changed then there's going to be some works that happen if you really have changed then someone is going to look at you and say you're different 
If you really have surrendered, then when you, you're going to appear clothed and in your right mind. There's going to be a change, and there better be some action to it. You sit here all day and say, hey, yeah, man, that was good. I appreciate what you said. It really spoke to me. But if you go back out and you do the exact same things Monday through next Sunday, and you ain't changed, then I'm going to question if you really got it. It's not about judging. It's not about actions. It's not about any of that. But just a simple it's common sense, folks. When you learn something, then you start doing it differently. Why, do we, why are we okay not doing things differently? Why are we okay being like the village people and saying, no, I'm going to hold on to this area of my life? So we're fixing to have worship time again. We got two minutes. If you don't mind staying late, then stay late. I'm not going to judge you. If you need to leave, go ahead. But as at least in the next, I got two minutes, right? Band, hurry up, because I ain't got but like a minute, 30 seconds now. Ask yourself, ask yourself, are you ready to let go? Are you ready to truly let go? Are you ready to, to say every part of my life, you've got it? I've done that kind of stuff before. And you know what? I may end up doing I, I do it daily. But I guarantee you there's going to be other times where I have even greater revelations of who God is and what he's done in my life. And, and, and I'm going to come to even more position of surrender. But I challenge you today to come to a place of surrender that you've never come to before. Because I can promise you, you may have said I surrender, but I guarantee you there is at least one area in your life where you still are holding on to it. I can guarantee you there's something that you still tend to, to, to go back to. Today, let this be the day where you say I'm giving that one up to God. Maybe you just surrendered to him yesterday, but do it again today. Be a doer. And I'm, I'm serious, y'all. It would have been better. If you aren't going to get this, it would be better for you to not have been here. Because this is, this is big, and now you have no excuse. You've heard it. I, I have no excuse. Once I heard this the other night, I was, I was completely broken. And it took like two or three days of me just pouring out my heart. And I'm still doing it. If you want specific prayer, I'm up here. I'm going to turn the mic off. I'm up here. I'll pray for you. we got other elders around here. Don't leave here without doing something. Don't just let this go in one ear out the other. And don't come up and tell me, hey, that was really good. Because this is him. Yeah, I, I, I know it wasn't that good. I was involved in it too. So, Father, just anything that was not of you today, Father, I pray you'd help that to just to fall off, let, let it go in one ear and out the other. But Father, what you want done in, in everyone's life today, I just pray that you would help us to have ears to hear what you have to say to us today, Father. And we just ask, what should we do?